Hello there, welcome to Famous Last Nerds, your one-stop pod for all things pop culture. Thanks for joining us, uh, it's good to be back again. We're going to be doing a bit of a retrospective look back at the Sam Raimi Spider-Man trilogy. A uh, little bit out of date considering that the first one was out nearly 20 years ago. But we've we've both been a little bit nostalgic for them. Um, yeah. For obvious reasons, because we are completely nostalgic creatures who will look for any excuse to go back and watch things that we love. Yeah, we. I mean, I, I think I watched the first couple a few weeks ago and then <laughs> watched the last one last night, um, which would be an interesting topic. Um, but it was just a case of, yeah, I've been wanting to watch them for a while. I think on our last podcast or some time ago, we talked about villains and Doc Ock and I just kind of thought, look, I need to need to kind of see that again. Um, and it, it's great, especially the second one, um, which we'll talk about. But, I mean, what have you been doing during um, lockdown, isolation situation? Besides um, climbing the walls, yeah. Um, I've been watching Star Wars Rebels after I finished the Clone Wars. Um, that's pretty much it. The last few nights we've we've been watching the Tiger King on Netflix. And, oh, we actually finished off uh, The Affair which finished months ago. Yeah. But our, our TV pile just built up and up and up, and we just haven't had the time. But the quarantine's actually been a good thing because all the TV programs that Michelle likes watching, like the soaps, they've all been pretty much postponed. Oh, yeah, they have. So they? we've had, like, hours and hours every night now, so we've actually been able to start getting through our um, our backlog, which is nice. It is. Yeah, I, I've been doing the same, really. Um watched pretty much a whole of Ozark. Um, I'd never seen it before. Um, it's the Jason Bateman Laura Linney drama on Netflix, which is kind of Breaking Bad-esque. Um, it's good. Um, seasons one and two were out for a couple of years, three years, and then um, caught up with those, and then watched season three, which dropped last week, I think, um, which was the best one yet, actually. It was really, really good. Um, what else? Catching up on some films that I've been missing. Uh, I'm going to start a few new TV shows. Um, just kind of getting through stuff at the minute. I've been playing bits and pieces of games. Um, ordered Sekiro, which is the semi PS4 game of the year last year, which kind of passed me by completely, but I have a little bit more time on my hands at the minute. And then I've been playing Animal Crossing New Horizons, which I thought I would hate. I bought it for Grace, being Grace's kind of first Switch game and Aaron Jacob to play it and I've been quite addicted to it as well which is I guess good during isolation where you can build a whole town and go outdoors and stuff like that whereas we're stuck climbing the walls in the in the tricky thing with four of us under the roof you know but it's it's been it's been interesting you have been a busy boy I have yeah I have you've got to keep yourself busy man do you know what I mean like I've been watching lots of things trying to keep my brain going watching films again and yeah it's been good it's been good to catch up some some films the spider-man films in particular were were good because they're they're so different to watch we, what we watch nowadays which i know we're going to talk about um because like you said that they're, they're a little bit old school um and they are very well they're not 90s are they they're noughties but they are on the edge of that late 90s kind of feel to them in particular yeah. so it's, it's quite a different vibe to what we get um this afternoon i watched civil war um just to watch i watched guardians the other day so i've been watching a little bit more marvel again um civil war just was great man actually watching that again um really good story really good action and then you go and watch like spider-man 3 and you're like wow the cg looks quite old now do you know what I mean? it feels quite dated but um, but we'll talk about them in detail, so you know it's going to be fun. Yeah, you've. I'm very surprised. It's always me that's saying, "Oh, I've been doing this, watching this, playing that," and you're like, "Yeah, I haven't had time." Yeah, but I've not been working, so there's been no commute. Yeah. Um, no, I'm I'm pleased for you. Yeah. It's about time you got some some well, time to let your feels, hair down and do it, all of this. It feels a little bit like, as much as there's a lot of shit going on, obviously, and the whole world is in chaos. And my situation is interesting but it you know i'm being supported by the government which is a weird thing to say in terms of the financial side of things with with my my workplace doing the furlough kind of gig so we're getting by fine on that we've been kind of homeschooling the kids wherever 
possible and that's been quite a challenge um but yeah certainly body clock is is slightly looser I means later nights and like more tv time and more time to catch up so it's been good to watch some stuff um i've, I've had a lot of stuff in the works a lot of tv series really because uh, we haven't watched anywhere near as much stuff as i'd want to um the other thing i've been starting again save me which i don't think you watched first season of i don't know if you got access to now tv or sky it's the lenny james written starring show um which came out a couple of years ago was really good he's amazing in it um and then season two dropped last night all all at once like eight episodes so we've watched a couple of those i've um, never even heard of it until i saw an advert for it the other day it's really good first season's great it's it's about child abduction there's some really good people in it but he's kind of man on a mission and he wrote it it's 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 really impressive actually uh, you'd really like it it's that style of tv show that you'd like so if you can get hold of it you definitely should check it out only eight parts and stuff it's not you kind of whiz through it and the first season's pretty intense it's quite um hard hitting and then the second season you know, I fair play to the guy because I knew he was a good actor, but he's a really good writer. It's one of the better shows. I think it's one of the best shows Sky have produced, like full stop. So yeah, it's really good. Right. Okay. Yeah, I'll have to check that out when me uh, when me schedule allows me. Because after this, we'll be doing the latest series of American Horror Story. Because that, yeah. that that finished like last year or something, and we're normally dead up to date on that. But we just haven't had time because our days are so long. But yeah, we, you, we, like, you might have a little did, bit more time um, now, yeah. We did isolation for two weeks because Lucy had a cough. It was yeah. nothing to do with the virus. It was just, nah, it's just precautionary. So, yeah, yeah we, we've had a bit more time to do stuff like that. But I watched, uh, at, at your suggestion, we, um, we've we gone back and we both revisited the, uh, the Spider-Man film. So I just watched one a day for the last three days because my workload's been there. But it's been a lot easier and a lot more relaxed. Yeah. So I've been able to just sit there and have a, have a film on in the background, and I've really, really enjoyed them. And you, yeah. you do sort of forget just how good two of the three films were, and especially they really did kickstart the 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 superhero comic oh, book. I I, I didn't realise. So obviously we were. I was 16 when the first one came out. You probably were 18 or something. When was it, first when was it out? 2001? 2000. Oh, 2000. I was yeah. 18, 19. Yeah. So, uh, oh no, first one came out 2002. Apologies. So, oh, I was yeah, 21 so, probably. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, uh, I was kind of, I think at uni, I can't remember seeing it at the cinema, to be honest. Um, I might have done because it was a big hype film. I, I did. I remember watching it at the cinema. Because if you look at the figures and stuff around it, and you've probably got little bits and pieces, but it made $100 million in its opening weekend, which is massive, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's massive. So it must have had a load of buzz around it. Um, Overall, it did over $800 million. Now, if you rounded that I mean, up now, I dread to think what that is, but you're probably talking... It's got to be 1.2, 1.3 billion. That's what I was going to say, yeah, about, yeah. One, about one and a quarter billion. So you're talking, yeah. it would be in like the top, five or six mcu films so yeah, you know it, it did it did gangbusters yeah. it really did do some serious numbers and there's no doubt that this and the first x-men film they are the things that made marvel take notice and go hang, hang on a minute do you know how we sold off all that all that property because we thought we couldn't make any money off it turns out we really really can and especially when you think that kevin feige was an executive producer on the spider-man films he must have seen this coming from the inside and gone, there's something here. We we can do this. We can do something with all this. Because that, that was it. They sold off the X-Men. They sold off the Hulk. And they yeah, because they were off... about to go bust, though, weren't they? Yeah, they, they, they were yeah. so close to... It was almost to... a fire sale, really, wasn't it? So... Yeah, they, they needed to make quick money. And Sony came in and said, yeah, we'll, we'll buy the rights to Spider-Man. And they were like, really? You want to make a Spider-Man film? <laughs> oh, okay, losers. And then, you know, they, they probably clocked a couple of billion dollars and Marvel went, well, shit, there must be there must be something we can do about this. And, you know, it, it, it if it wasn't for them. It was going to happen eventually because they just lend themselves. Like we, we obviously talk a lot about comics and, and adaptations and stuff, but they just lend themselves so much to big screen 
cinema releases. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because they they're such imaginary films and, and in terms of what they do. They, they each made maybe, basically eight hundred million, so they've done about two and a half billion. Yeah. And that's between two thousand and two and two thousand. It took so long for them to come round to the idea, though, because Batman, obviously, nineteen eighty nine, Batman did well, and then Batman Returns was quite a hit, and then they kept plodding on, obviously, with Forever and Batman and Robin and all this kind of jazz. But no one really caught on to the idea that these could be popular figures. I guess Spider Man maybe wasn't seen as popular as he was as a comic book character. Maybe people just didn't think it could be done. Because you look at Batman and it's all dark and gritty and the, the effects aren't heavy, not heavy, heavy. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. you look at this and go, well, how are they going to get a guy to swing through the streets of New York without looking shit, basically? Um, and so I guess maybe it was a case of CG being ready. Do you know what I mean? You know, films being ready to kind of look like that and move like that and, you know, all the characters and all that kind of stuff. Maybe the world wasn't ready for it because, you know, I can't remember back then what it was like in terms of mainstream releases because you just had big action films, I guess, like Godzilla and, I don't know, those kind of big summer... All the stuff I'm thinking of were all 80s, so I can't even think what was big in the 90s, I guess, like Jurassic Park, but that was 94... You know, I can't think what was late nineties. It was probably no, me just action either. films. Probably just action films like Bad Boys and do you know what I mean? All those kind of giant cars. It wasn't Fast and Furious yet, but surely gone in sixty seconds, all that kind of crap around then, face off. Um just big kind of budget action movies, but nothing like this. And then this just kinda of came along and blew everything out out of the water really. So like you said, it was kind of the it was the pioneering film of our it just took another X amount of years for it to hit the mainstream, really. Probably a decade, really, to get full mainstream after that point, because Iron Man was 2008. But you think the groundwork will have been done probably round Spider-Man 2? Yes. Because it's it's one thing to make a good film, but it's another thing to make a follow-on that makes almost as much money that gets the critical acclaim that Spider-Man 2 does. And then, of course, even though Spider-Man 3 sucked donkey balls it still made nearly 900 million dollars and it was still you know that that trilogy to make two and a half billion that's the kind of thing that any studio exec will look at and go okay we need to find our trilogy and that's when everyone started making trilogies isn't it you know we've said many times the art of the single film is dead because so many people so many studios now there's got to be at least two or three parts and everything's got to be interconnected and so so few people in this sort of genre anyway just go right i'm going to make one really good film and that's it i'm just going to hang my hat on it and say right that's it you know you think jurassic park as an example would have been a perfect one film wonder it didn't need any of the sequels that have come after it but you know it's been good i've i've really enjoyed going back and, and revisiting them and one of the telling things about it is the majority of the film has aged very, very well, apart from the CG. Yes. Because um, the graphics, has. especially right in, in the first one when he's jumping across the rooftops, he's so rubbery. And like he's bending in the middle and he's almost bending in half when he jumps and it really looks bad. Yeah, there's a few scenes. I would say particularly in Spider-Man 3, actually, which yes. I watched obviously last night, but particularly in 3. 3's got I, the worst graphics. I, th- I think 3 just feels like a mess. You know, I, we'll get to it. Um, it's like a steaming hot mess, really. Um, but Mess, of course, in this, in this example, is a polite way of saying it's shit. Well, that, <laughs> but, but it's... It's just everything about it feels like whatever went on set in the production, yeah, everything feels like it was off on that film. Do you know what I mean? The script fell off, um, the story was off, the characters were off. The casting was CG. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything about it feels like it was rushed. They were trying to get a big hitter on their hands. Maybe Raimi was basically worn out. Do you know what I mean? It feels like it maybe it's actually the situation or something where I think based, based on what happened in terms of what, what should have been the fourth one and all the problems where yeah, 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 the fourth yeah. one was pulled, I think it's fair to say that 
Raimi's heart wasn't as in it as much as it was in the first two, and and that's evident in the final result because it's nowhere near as polished, it's nowhere yeah. near as coherent. Because the script for the first two, you can't really find any faults with them, you know, the, no. or, or certainly not any glaring problems where you go, oh my god, it's so ridiculous that X Y Z. Whereas in the third one, it just it doesn't tie together. You've got too many villains all trying to do the same thing at the same time. Whereas the first two just, they hold up really well, like we say, apart from the graphics that, that do look a little bit dated. But, you know, the first one was 17, 18 years ago. And you think the advancements that get that get made in CG in five years, let alone 10, 15 years. Yeah. But in, in terms of the rest of it, you don't look at it and go, oh, God, like, you know, the cinematography doesn't look really bad. The no, no, it, no. It's, it's still cool. a modern Raimi, New York setting. Raimi's a great director. Like, yeah, it doesn't feel New York doesn't feel that dated. Do you know what I mean? That's the one thing I felt like you, like you were saying. Where obviously you've got the campus, you've got the city streets, you've got that style of you know New York as a city is kind of similar to what it is now. You know, it was a modern city then. Obviously, you know, things have changed and developed since then, but. Um, it doesn't feel different in that regard. Um, and so it's great. Like when we reviewed um, Far From Home, I was kind of saying the big thing I miss is is kind of Spider-Man in New York. And I get what they're doing. Do you know what I mean? Because you can't just have the same over and over again. Um, but these films are great when you've got all the cityscapes and you've got all the, when he first discovers, you know, obviously House Swing and, and, and all the kind of, uh, aspects around that and you get that in spider-verse as well and it works really well obviously in that style and animation and stuff but it's great like Raimi really knew what he was doing with this film you can see why they brought him on to do it because i mean reading some of the kind of trivia around this the guy is a huge comic book no he's got like two and a half thousand comics and that was obviously 20 years ago do you know what i mean so he really did want to develop these films as a franchise and i think the best thing to say about all of these films um except the third one is that it's hard to see villains have been done quite so well i mean obviously we can talk thanos and loki and, and killmonger and, and various do you know what i mean and there's some dc ones that have been done well um particularly the joker um but you know defoe is genuinely quite terrifying at times in this and oh he we'll is talk about Spider-Man too, but He's like perfect casting for this. Um, I just read before that he did 90% of his own stunts. Yeah. And I know he's not doing loads of work in this film, you know, but there are elements there. And I mean, Defoe is kind of known as being a bit of a method kind of guy. And he, I reckon he would have been intense on set. Like he genuinely feels intense in this. And the scenes, obviously, between him and Peter, you know, when when it's that subconscious stuff and when he's talking to himself in the mirror with a schizophrenia That's and creepy. stuff. It's I don't really remember creepy, that being man. as creepy until no, I was watching I it. And you, when you're watching him from behind, I was watching more his body language from behind than watching his face in the mirror. And like yeah. when he's talking about himself, he stands up. And then when he's doing his goblin voice, his shoulders come up and he's hunching and he's all twisted and mangled and, it's, it's terrifying. Really, really quite scary. Like, because when we talk about Spider Man, we always talk about Doc Ock, we always talk about the, the sequel. But honestly, Green Goblin and, and his performance, Defoe's performance, is, is not a million miles away from that. Like, you know, and that's where Raimi probably comes into his own. I mean, there's debates around Maguire, and I know you're not a huge fan, and we can talk about that in detail. Um, and some of that stuff does feel a bit false and a bit forced. But I think in terms of the villains in these first two, everything about them he nails. Do you know what I mean? In yeah. terms of the development, well, in terms we, of the we've style, said before you know, that really Alfred good. Molina as, as Doc Ock pretty much holds up with me as one of my favourite villain performances. And I'm talking up there with Thanos and Loki and Darth Vader in terms of it couldn't yeah, have been um, done any better. And obviously the Joker by yeah. and Heath Ledger's Joker, Heath yeah, Ledger's, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it uh, just it couldn't have been any better. You know, he looked right, he sounded right, he felt right. The CG was good enough to look like a supervillain, 
but it wasn't over the top. See, CG is really solid in that second film. I, yeah. I'd say it's pretty solid in the first film. Second film, it's 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 much better and it holds up extremely well because I think they just got a grip on what worked and what didn't. Do you know what I mean? I think the first film it was probably a bit of trial and error for them because no one had ever really attempted these things before. Um, so the second film obviously developed. And it was obviously all the uncharted good waters for Sony. Yeah, for for Sony to be wading into this with someone else's IP that they'd willingly given up, it was it it was quite a big risk for them because it could have fl- uh, fallen flat on its face. Oh yeah, it could have hugely. You know, what I mean, it really could have um, changed everything. I mean, you know, like I said, looking at some of these things, um, it's quite astonishing. Maguire signed up for two sequels, securing a paycheck of $26 million, which at the time is a hell of a lot of money. Do you know what I mean? It's... There was a pro- I didn't realise there was um, there was a problem, wasn't there, um, coming back for Spider-Man 2? Yeah. He'd, he'd really badly damaged his back, and they didn't know if Spider-Man 2 was going to be on the cards, and they started negotiating with, of all people, Jake Gyllenhaal. Okay. And then Tobey Maguire came back, um, and this was when he renegotiated and he signed on for two and three. Originally, he'd only signed on for one. And while they were trying to sort things out for two, they had if he thought it could have been a, a career ending or career shortening injury. Uh, but he ended up overcoming it, and he signed on and he signed his twenty-six million dollar um, contract, which yeah, is I mean, it's, it's huge. I mean, that's Robert Downey Jr. sort of numbers again. If you if you in, um, allow yeah, yeah. for growth. You know, that yeah, it was a huge, huge deal. Yeah, it's absolutely huge. I, I can't quite get into my head how big these films were at the time. I, I, there are pop culture stuff around them. I always remember them talking about it in, like, Knocked Up. <laughs> she always says, I like Spider-Man. Um, <laughs> I just remember um, Paul Rudd sneaking off to the cinema to watch Spider-Man 3 and some of the references around that kind of stuff at the time. But it, 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 was, it was huge, like, astonishingly big. I mean, 3 was probably too much pressure on them. Um, but looking at, like, there's people like Chris Columbus was offered it and, and opted to do Harry Potter instead. Thank God he didn't do this because it would have been dreadful. Um, but David Fincher was offered this, right? <laughs> Imagine a David Fincher Spider-Man movie, how dark and twisted that would have been. Um, I mean, that would have been about as close as they could get to Nolan Batman. Yeah, in I think so. In terms of tone and... The scope I think he, of things. He said he wanted to lead if he did it with um, a comic called The Night When Stacy Died. So it would have been quite an intense, and that would have been during the credits. So you can see how dark he would have gone. Yeah. Um, the big thing that they got right is they got Raimi, who is obviously extremely well known for his, his horror roots. So, because um, he did Evil Dead and then uh, the sequel and then Army of Darkness. Um, and you can feel that when you watch these films, you know, you can feel the horror elements in Defoe's performance, certainly um, in Melina's performance in the sequel. Because, and that's why I think we're both quite excited for what he does with Doctor Strange. Obviously, we, we're both quite disappointed that Derrickson is off the project. Yeah. But it felt like that was coming for a while because I think Marvel and him have got very different ideas of where they're going to go. Well, originally they announced it, didn't they, and said it was going to be a horror film and then yes. gradually the, the horror element got it's sort of back. Yeah, yeah they they walked it back and it sort of was going to be like a a, ho- a horror comedy a, a horromedy or something you know where it was going to have it went from being a horror film to horror elements and that's obviously not what Derrickson wanted he wanted to do this proper balls to the wall scary film and you know, but you'd you rather see, you you'd rather a guy walks away, away from the project and has to compromise his yeah. vision and ends up doing a film that he's not comfortable with, because then yeah. it's just going to be half-assed. Well, Spider-Man was a 12A, and you you can see what Raimi gets away with in terms of the kind of horror side of things, because there's some quite legitimate. If you know, I took my or Jacob watched this eight nine years old. There's quite scary scenes. You know, um, in this one and the sequel, he'd probably laugh at Spider-Man Three, <laughs> um, but uh, you can see what they've got in store because they're going, look, this guy knows the studio well. He's he, he still kind of kept close ties with them all, over all these years, which is a good thing. He knows his way around a huge movie franchise, which you know maybe they'll keep him on board to do other projects around Marvel, which would be great. Um, 
and also he, he knows how to incorporate these horror elements into things like 12a where you can still make it quite edgy and quite dark without it being full-blown horror because they've got a lot planned for doctor strange like clearly it's going to link a lot of storylines um with well it's going to be a big link into a yeah the scarlet witch invasion that and and other elements there's a lot of other discussions about the cosmic stuff and what they're going to do with the eternals maybe linking in and whatnot so it's going to be interesting but you know Raimi's the kind of guy, he's a safe pair of hands, do you know what I mean? And Marvel are quite smart at that. Um, they've used Favreau over the years for the same kind of thing, especially in Disney Studios, to bring them on board for big projects that they kind of just know will work um, with him on board. So I think it's a good move. Um, and just going back to these films, you can just see what Raimi has to offer as a director because it's clearly his vision on these first two films in particular. Um, and it's great, like the, the the villains are probably the standout performances, but you know we can talk about um, J.K. Simmons, and we can talk about let's talk about J.K. Simmons, and then we'll talk about the main three kind of you know um, Kirsten Dunst and Toby yeah. and James Franco <laughs> with his ridiculous haircut. Um, so J.K. Simmons undoubtedly. I mean, probably the star of, of these films, really, if we're being honest, uh, over the over the trilogy. Well, he's he's brilliant, and it, that's why it was so nice to see him come back at at the end of um, Far From Home to to see him finally brought back in because there's been whispers about him coming back. That's probably the first time it sort of reminded me that I'm overdue a Spider-Man watch because it's been a good few years since I watched these. But since seeing him come back, that that's probably what kickstarted it for me. Um, I'm I, I've made my feelings on the rest of the cast pretty clear over the years. <laughs> I I think that Toby Maguire was a good Spider-Man, but I don't think he was a convincing Peter Parker at all. And my uh, my disdain for Kirsten Dunst is legendary. I just find her. Appallingly she's up there, up there with Natalie Portman. She's on the list with Natalie Portman and Claire Danes. Yeah. I, I mean, she's just get on so devoid Portman. of emotion. I think, I think um, the Thor, Love and Thunder, I reckon you'll even get on board with Portman once Tyker's had his, had his oh, turn. I, oh, I absolutely yeah. will. I mean, in fairness, it's not so much Natalie Portman in general, it's Natalie Portman in the Star Wars prequels. Oh, my God. And yeah. she couldn't act her way out of a wet nut sack. And she's genuinely quite a good actress, but they are horrific performances. And that second film, whichever one it is, uh, is probably my worst film of all time, along with Batman and Robin. I, yeah. I rank it that low in terms of like major films. Um, no, you're right with Kirsten Dunst. And, and they had no chemistry as well. No, oh, God, no. It was just, you know, that he's supposed to be in love with her. Really? You might want to, you know, act it. Well, that was supposed funny to thing, be in love with him. You might want to smile. And Franco have more chemistry, and they're not supposed to. Do you know what I mean? They they kind of initially supposed to, and then you watch them in the third film. I'm like, Christ, they've got more chemistry in one scene than those two have got in the entire trilogy, really. And it's like, Jesus, it just wasn't. Yeah, I, you're right. I think he's a good Spider-Man, though. I, I do genuinely yeah. think he's a good Spider-Man. He was better as Spider-Man. He just wasn't believable as Peter Parker. Whereas There's Andrew Garfield was the scenes. other way around. Andrew Garfield yeah. was a better Peter Parker, but then he was a bit too slapstick as as Spider. Yeah, he was, and that's yeah. where I mean, Tom that Holland succeeds because he's got he's got both sides of the coin down. Well, uh, do you know what? Because I, I watched Civil War today, you know, you can just feel Tom Holland had it, especially as Peter. I, yeah. I, I mean, the Spider Man, hundred percent, because he he plays the the nerdy character there's some great lines in civil war do you know what i mean when he's kind of, you've got a you've got a metal arm that's cool and all this kind of stuff it's like we well, just shut oh, up the, kid the, the tensile and, strength of those wings is off the charts yeah and he's so he's been proper geeky and then he, he talks about you guys remember that old, old old film really old film called empire strikes back and stuff. <laughs> um, obviously they play on that it's extremely well written that russo's knew exactly what they were doing with him um and you, i think you don't get that then. nerdy feel from toby Maguire. he just he just, he's a bit nothingy. He's you know, unconvincing he, as a stereotypical nerd. And everybody, you know, Bruce Wayne's he, a billionaire. Tony Stark's an arsehole. 
Peter Parker he, is a he's nerd. He's clearly quite an intelligent guy, so I think you can get the intelligent side of it, but you don't get the nerdy side of it. Do you know what I mean? You don't get any of the, you know, you get the, okay, he talks about this and the other, especially with the scenes with Melina, and you kind of believe all that, and the bit with Dr. Connors, you kind of believe some of that stuff. Um, but then the nerdy stuff, the geeky stuff, he's it's awkward rather than nerdy. nerdy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's like slapsticky awkward. This pizza delivery sequence in whichever film that is, I think that might be the first one. Again, yeah, uh, that's two, I think is that two. Yeah, it's just those kind of sequences, those kind of scenes. It's just a bit too slapstick. It's not very believable um, from what you would kind of go from page, you know, comic book page to, to life. Um, and you're right, Holland kind of nails the, the both sides of it. Garfield was, I think he was just badly serviced by, by two shit films, average films. I know the first yeah. one's okay, but like, you know, it, it, I think, and their chemistry kind of could have worked as well, to be honest, because Emma Stone's um, Emma Stone. So. Well, and um, the fact that they were actually in a relationship for both yeah. of those films. But yeah, like you say, you they, they were both let it. down by the script, whereas the script for the first two of these oh, it's was really fantastic. Solid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The scripts probably really do help these films a lot because, you know, certain films you get by a little bit without really solid scripts in action, action kind of superhero genre. But but these films just really needed it because they just underpin everything. They hold it all together. Um, but even that, I say Aunt May, and I'm not to dishonor too much, but all that was a bit, Badly played out a little bit. She casting was quite just a bit perfect. obvious. Yeah, they you know, they, we... they leaned too heavily into the oh, I'm a frail old dear. <laughs> just it's like yeah, we get the point. I mean, she had some good bit. The stuff where like she's whacking Doctor Octopus with her umbrella. That was <laughs> that was good because they actually gave her a bit of personality that wasn't just generic grandma. Yeah, but I mean, we always say for those kind of sequences, you know, if you've got like someone like Michael Caine as Alfred, that works. Do you know what I mean? Someone with that level, do you know what yeah. I mean? Like it, the kind of role you want someone. All right, they're not going to get a lot of a lot of um, lines, a lot of sequences, but if you get someone supporting it of that gravitas, that level, then it does make a difference. Do you know what I mean? It means you believe the sequences more when she's going through hard times and you just kind of don't really care no. that much you know no, what I mean don't. like you just and, and I'd say the bit the same with Uncle Ben because you care but at the same time he, he hadn't he, really been in it enough to no. care that much you only exactly. care because you already know what it is and what he means but in, in the grand yeah. scheme of the film he hadn't been in long enough for it to have that kind of emotional impact and it's yeah. the same criticism that people have leveled about Batman films constantly doing the death of the parents. They're in it for literally a minute and a half and then they're dead and all of a sudden you're supposed to be upset. It's like, well, I've not really seen them for me to give a crap. I know you aren't as hot on Teen Titans go to the movies as me, but the sequence where they do is, you know, they do the Back to the Future kind of style stuff and they push them, put the pearls around the neck and push them down Crime Alley. Um, it's one of the funniest sequences in any movie because they just riff really well on that scene. And yeah, I mean, everyone's tired of seeing that scene and everyone's tired of the Uncle Ben thing, which is why, you know, they did a really good job in, in the new Spider-Man movies of just kind of hitting the reset button. Yeah. You know, when, it, when he talks to Tony in Civil War, he just says, it's a long story. Do you know what I mean? He's kind of asking him and probing him how he got his powers and they just don't go into it. Um, I must admit as well, Spider-Verse really risks well on the, all right, let's do this one more time. You know, yeah. they, they replay the kind of um, origin stories, but they just do it in such a... Yeah, they well, do it. They do well it at like 90 back. mile an hour just to yeah. get it out the way. And they, they riff on this film. Do you know what I mean? They riff on the Spider-Man 3, you know, like, yeah, I did that and it wasn't my proudest moment and all this kind of stuff. And it's just, it's really well done. Um, and that's what this film, you know, these films are iconic, you know, that they, they are riffed on because... They were huge. Do you know they I mean? they like, were groundbreaking for the yeah. genre, and they really did pave the way. I mean, you, you may well be right. Maybe we would have got to an MCU situation eventually, but maybe it wouldn't have been as, as quickly as it has happened, and maybe it wouldn't be the size that it is now, because it really did show that the appetite was there 
in terms of the sheer number of I viewers. I don't think Marvel Studios as it is now would exist without this. And no, I, I don't think you would either, because you think yeah. that this sort of groundwork takes years to put into place. You know, yeah. Iron Man came out in 2008, but they will have been paving the way for years to make this all happen. You know, getting the directors, getting all the people that work behind the scenes and just trying to plan out the logistics of, A, can we do it? Yeah. How do we do it? And how do we make it stick? How do we make it last for 20-odd yeah. films? Than, there's more to it than just, let's make it work. I mean, obviously, Feige's coming off the back of this. This is his first kind of major project, I think. I know he's worked with other things, but, you know, he's obviously learned a lot from this, probably got a huge amount of ambition and gone on to, to do what he's done and become this kind of behemoth in, in, in you know, cinema and studios. Um but and the fact that the he was working with Sam Raimi, you know, for him to be yeah. working with such a big director on such a big project for a big character that he himself loves, because Kevin Feige is a huge comic book fan as well. Oh, he, This must have been a huge shot in the arm for him. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if he didn't turn around. I mean, I've never heard him talk about it. If he didn't say somewhere, you know, that was like the light bulb moment for me where I realized that this could really be this could be its own genre. Yeah. Rather than just being a part of the action films or the comedy films, we could create our own entire genre and just own it every year, two or three films. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it it shows that they just had that foresight to make it work. But, you know, DC were coming off the back of the Nolan trilogy, which is is monstrous. Do you know what I mean? Like, the Batman trilogy was was Spider-Man and then the rest, really, um, coming off this huge, huge trilogy. And they didn't make it work because they didn't have the foresight. So that's why we always give Marvel Studios props is because they, they really knew what they were doing. And obviously this, this comes from here. I mean, Sony have been kind of laughed at at times for their lack of preparation in terms of, you know, had a big trilogy and then kind of fell by the wayside, obviously kind of, I think, looked out a little bit by the deal with Marvel to bring Spider-Man back into the fore. Do you know what I mean? I don't think they would have done it while they failed to do it themselves, didn't they, with the amazing Spider-Man films. Yeah. Um, but then they gave, you know, gave the keys to, um, to Thingy and Miller to do Spider-Verse, which has kind of opened up whole new kind of levels for them. Um, Venom, all right, you know, like it or not but it did extremely well and obviously the sequel is probably going to do extremely well as well and then you know Morbius Jesus let's not talk about that but you know at least they're back doing their own thing a little bit and and Spider-Man's there you know for all the talk of other stuff Spider-Man is their only major MVP and stuff so they're making it work around that but Spider-Man has incredible villains and incredible people to work with and I mean we had a bad version of Venom in these films, um, but we've had some other great villains, and then subsequently we've had what the Vulture and this talk of the Sinister Six and Craven um, being in the third film potentially that's coming up, and obviously we've had um, Mysterio. So there's been, I mean, look, that's already how many films have we had, and we've had all these great villains. And I can't remember who was in the Amazing Spider-Man. Was it? Um, Oh, the, the first one, they had the lizard, and then the second one, it was um, oh, Electro. Oh, Electro. Oh, God, Electro was so bad. It was Jamie, horrific. Jamie Fox, it? Yeah, that was one of the worst villains. And I like Jamie Foxx as a really oh, good Fox actor. Jamie Foxx a great guy, great actor, brilliant. But it was brilliant. just, it was badly done, it was badly written, it was badly presented. Yeah. It, 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 it was, was everything like, that the villains of these first two to the point that Spider-Man 3 is probably a better film than it, which is saying something. I know Spider-Man 3. I wouldn't go that far. (laughs) I really wouldn't go that far. There's a couple of redeeming qualities of Spider-Man 3, even if it's just for how bad it's good. Well, there is. I I was trying to be positive about it before. I mean, it does start off quite well. It it really does start off well. I like the way they've got all this conflict with Peter. And, you know, you can understand why he starts getting arrogant because he's constantly being told by the public how amazing he is and everyone's cheering him. But then it really, I mean, it goes off a cliff, catches fire on the way down and then explodes onto like a bus full of children at the bottom. Because I watched it last night and it's probably the first time I watched it in 20 years or something or whatever, in in 10 years. Um, And I was watching it thinking, okay, actually, first half an hour is 
pretty solid. Do you know what I mean? I'm yeah. thinking this is all right. It, you know, if you split it up into thirds, yeah. the first third is very good. The second third's okay. And the third oh, third is genuinely oh. a war crime. <laughs> it's just <laughs> abysmal. It, it's like an assault on all the senses. It probably even smells bad. Yeah. It, 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 you just, you're watching this going, no. What? <laughs> no. What is going on here? Do you know what I mean? I was watching it going, why? What am I watching? You know, like, what, what did they decide that this was a good idea? Who sat down in the cutting room floor and went, do you know what? This works. I'm like, this is one of the worst director's cuts of anything I've ever seen. I, I like, would just... love to sit in a room with the person who cast Toe for Grace oh, and say, God. right, okay, okay, talk me through the logic. Eddie Brock is a huge bodybuilding weightlifter. He's got a yes. triangular body because he's all shoulders, chest, and arms. And you cast the nerdy twat from that 70s Who's the guy that played Flash in the first Spider-Man film? Joe Manganiello. Yeah. And so you look at that kind of build. Do you know what I mean? Like that guy, he was obviously a kid when he did that and he was still an absolute tank. And I mean, you nowadays you'd look at a wrestler, wouldn't you? If they were yeah. doing it now, you'd go, The Rock well, or John Cena or yeah, someone like that. Yeah, that's why they get these guys in. Do you know what I mean? That's why they get you, um, you man. Batista and all yeah, these kind of yeah, guys. Yeah, Dave Batista. I mean? you, you go right. We need someone who's huge, who's huge uh, athletes. Yeah. You know, you, you don't go. Oh, do you know we'd be really good at this muscle-bound roid head? That funny kid with the floppy hair from that '70s show. He and, wasn't and, even the biggest one on that '70s show. And it's funny because Topher Grace is actually quite a decent actor, and but he's basically the spit of Tobey Maguire. Like they are like really weird stepbrothers they're both like very normal and boring and like james milner do you know what i mean you just but feel he, like he's nerdy he's yeah. like he plays like a nerd like when he's in the office and he's talking to 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 jj and he goes he um and in this as well? <laughs> photography's not just you know and sorry it's not just about pictures it's about light and composition oh, eddie brock has never once been that, that wanky about photos I mean, the hardy, whole point with eddie hardy brock was he was an arsehole yeah hardy hardy does quite play i mean look venom's got a few issues um but actually tom hardy tom great. hardy is not one of them tom no, hardy's he, betrayal was he, he great absolutely everything in that movie do you know what i mean you do applaud that guy because he just give it absolutely everything um and you know you just look at tofa grace and go what on earth were you thinking and then sandman I don't think Sandman's a good villain. No, just... Sandman's not a good villain. Of, and, and... of all the, if you were to rank all Spider-Mans, I mean, he wouldn't even make the top twenty. No, he probably wouldn't even make bloody top fifty because he's such a boring villain. And they would. But I understand the why they did it. To that, I, yeah, I, I get why they did it. Um, but I don't like the rewriting of history either in that movie. To be honest, no. I don't like. I don't like. I really hated actually the the, the rewriting of Uncle Ben's death. I just thought this is just shit. Like, what are you throwing out there to try and convince people this works? Because it's like it's trying to tug on heartstrings that weren't even there. You've gone and made heartstrings, and now you're tugging you, yeah, on. Yeah, it's funny, really, because that's the thing about the chemistry in that movie. The first two are great films because it's really Spider-Man versus villain. Mary Jane is just kind of a side story. You don't really care if he gets with her or not. Do you know what I mean? Because that's not your focus. It's just kind of the villain. You're more focused on the villains, actually, than you are on Spider-Man, I'll yeah. be honest, in the first two. Um, but there's nothing all... wrong with that, is there? There's nothing no. wrong with having a good villain portrayal and going, you know what? Well, Let the villain, villain carry the film. A good villain does carry a film. Yeah. I mean, Thanos is Infinity War. Do you know what I mean? Let's, let's you know. Joe, uh, Heath Ledger's Joker is the Dark Knight. Yeah, he is, and there's nothing wrong. I think even Bale would admit that. Do you know what I mean? Like, Bale is the secondary part to that film. And people go, oh, that movie was carried by... Yeah, so what? And... That's the whole point. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, that's what we want. Like, the, the villains are more interesting than the heroes yeah. a lot of the time. Like, we yeah, talk almost about... always. A crazy, yeah. psychotic villain is almost always more interesting like, we love than a, a do-gooder. Captain America. You know, we love Iron Man, but Iron Man... You know, Tony Stark gets by on being a, a dickhead most of the time. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's why you like him because he's he's a protagonist. And, and same and with he's... Batman. Batman's so interesting because he's so fucked up. Oh yeah, and any any hero's got to have a messed up. I mean, you, you like Spider Man because he is the innocent. He is the. Do you know what I mean? And he's overcoming the odds, and he's he's kind of he's not got the money of 
of Iron Man or he's not got, you know, the equipment of a Batman. He, you know, he's doing it on his own. Do you know what I mean? That's what you like about him. And I think if we're talking about the modern Spider-Man a little bit, what they've tried to not go back on, but what their storyline is, is we don't need Iron Man mm. suited Spider-Man. You know, we don't need all the tricks and the, the gizmos and the instant kill mode, although it did come in handy in Endgame. Um, but we don't really want all that. We want him being him, you know, because him discovering who he really is. And I know that's what they've done. They've done a kind of re-origin kind of story and stuff. But I think the third film will be great because it'll move away from him having that mentor of Tony Stark and they can just get back to Spider-Man. Peter yeah. Parker being him, do you know what I mean? Um, oh, you, you just reminded me one thing I really do not understand that they did with the Raimi films was the biological webbing. No. Where all of a sudden he just wakes up one day and, oh, look, it's a cute webbing. That it's was like, something I was really pleased that they did in the, like the Andrew Garfield weird, ones. Weird, wet dream. They, you know. they, they got it back to the fact that he is a science guy and he's actually incredibly smart, borderline genius level intellect and he's able to come up with this this web fluid and the web shooters themselves. That was a really frustrating thing that it's like, uh, yeah, I can just shoot web. And like you say, it's just, you know, it's a horrible penis metaphor. It, it really just... is. It, it did play a little bit on the kind of American Pie-esque era of of kind of that level of college boy humour. Do you know what I mean? It what, There was a few elements in these films where you're like, oh God, that's that's not dated very well. Do you know what I mean? There's no yeah. nuance. There's no kind of intelligence into it. It's gone, oh, let's kind of make a dick joke in, in, in web slinging form. And, you know, if it's done well, it's it's funny and humorous, like Spider-Verse. Do you know what I mean? Where he discovers he can walk on walls and he's being attacked by pigeons on the side of the building and all that kind of jazz. And it's all quite funny, but, and he gets stuck to um, Gwen's hair. Do you know what I mean? And it works and it's quite funny scene but if it's done badly like in some of these movies um yeah it's not so pretty i mean in terms of being dated like we said the vfx hold up really well i think the first two in particular and we, we do need to talk a little bit more about doc art because he is amazing but i think things like franco and his haircut and that style of performance it doesn't really work for me. Do you know what I mean? I think I liked know, him in the first two because he wasn't uh, that main a character, but in the third yeah. one, when they tried to make him into like Goblin Junior, it was oh. so forced. And then he and... became heroic at the end after being disfigured, and I was like, Jesus! This yeah, is it was stretched. like every cliche trope all yeah. piled into two and a half hours. I'm bad. I've now got amnesia. I've remembered. Now I'm bad again. Now I'm disfigured, but now I'm good, and now I sacrifice my life in two and a half hours. And all it took is his butler, who you've never seen or heard of yeah. before, going, actually, sir, your dad died because he was impaled by his own weaponry. It's like, hold on, He's like, where have on, you, you come from? You could have told me this two years ago. I've been pissed ago. off about this for years. Why are you only mentioning it now, you geriatric fuck? And of course, oh, sir, I tended your father's wounds that night, and I just happened to be able to tell, really, really, you just happened to know the intimate details of the daggers on the front of the glider. <laughs> oh, shut up. I yeah, actually so, forgot about that whole scene. Yeah, that really annoyed me. Um, the, the Him, oh, God, we, we, right, so we'll, we'll, we'll do the bad, and then we'll go back to Doc Ock and give him a proper you know, service, because we, we have to hold him up Hang there. on, I'm not going to so... service Doc Ock. This is not that kind of show. <laughs> Subscribe to our OnlyFans account. Um, so, <laughs> you'd say you'd do anything for subscribers in the past, mate. Right? You've said it's that many times. Yeah. Um, many times for listeners. It's um, too late what... to have standards. Um, it certainly is in this current situation. So, um, the dance sequence mm. is bad, right? So, so his... So the hair slicked down is the kind of first point of call. Um, and and the eyeliner. It's like all of, a, <laughs> all of a sudden I've bonded with the symbiote and now I've got these suspicious black lines around me. eyes. looked like the lead singer of Panic at the Disco for a little while there. And I was just like, well, what is going on here? Um, and then he comes out with the dance moves, obviously gets extremely cocky, uh, takes Bryce Dallas Howard on a date, which was a, a weird play. And then 
he starts dancing around the club, which is one of the weirdest scenes I I think I've ever seen in anything. So I remember the dance because the dance is extremely iconic. <laughs> the dance is horrific, um, but the club sequence is probably worse. And I know it's all one big scene, really, but. What the hell were they thinking? I mean, it's just. Oh, also, also, the symbiote has now given me the ability to play jazz piano. Because, of (laughs) course, the Venom symbiote is well known for its love of freeform jazz. (laughs) It's just. I don't even know where to begin. Oh, other arse thing that really bugged me before. I've bonded with the symbiote and now my own teeth have gone spiky. Oh, my God. Venom has always had pointy teeth. Eddie Brock's teeth are completely normal. Why oh does he God. have teeth like a cat now? <laughs> oh, it's just... It did, it did look like a bad CG version of, you know, the, the Cats film, which is just obviously a horrific mess that I've not yeah. actually seen. Just seen the awful trailers for. Um, but that's rumoured to look horrific and have such things. And you go back and watch that and go, Christ, it looks like a pre-cut of Cats. It's like, he looks horrific. What have they decided upon? There's a brief moment where he's just Venom, and it looks okay, but then it cuts back to him being half Venom and half kind of Topher, and I'm like, this is just weird, man. Even this when, he was full, when he was full Venom, it still didn't even look that great, because all they not, did not was really. they just made Spider-Man a black suit and then just changed the eyes a little bit. Venom's yeah. supposed to be huge, Seriously, oh, I've always said Topher Grace makes me look buff, and that yeah. is saying something. He, he, yeah, it's just not. It's he, not it, right. It's just wrong. It's yeah. like you you don't cast a you don't cast a nerd to play a huge guy the same way you don't cast Kirsten Dunst to do anything. <laughs> Honestly, I've had more emotional shit. I really have. You know, sometimes you have a poo and it makes you cry because it's that beautiful. You know. <laughs> Oh. Kirsten Dunst is I Terrible. think the worst thing in these films I I mean James Franco as you said there's there's some moments in there I, I could go I for that, I, I don't think there's one scene in any of them where you go wow that was really powerful, that was emotive, even the infamous upside down kiss, you're like uh, nah, there's no passion in it and it's funny because you know she's obviously acting on stage a lot of the time and she loses her job as a, as a singer and you're like yeah she would lose her it's job it's quite Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it when is she's walking down the stairs with the worst lip syncing ever. Yes, and it's like, no, I'd sack you as well. I'd probably shoot you. Yeah, it, 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 she, and the other thing, not sure about the relationship with the um, the young daughter of the landlord across the hallway. I don't really get where that's going either. Yeah, the the one that was like, weird. Yeah, very, and... very kind of abusive. Like, she seems to like him when he turns into emo Peter, and he's barking <laughs> yeah. at her to go and bake him cookies, and... <laughs> I mean, that sums up so Maguire in a nutshell. You know, full-on bad boy, he just wants cookies. Yeah. You know I mean? that, he just wants different cookies, baking. And, and when that's, he when he tells it. her to go and get him a drink, it's, get me some milk. <laughs> you know, oh, I'm hitting the hard stuff, what do you want? Full fat. Oh, you bastard. <laughs> What are you going to do just, now? You're going to go and scowl at some people on the streets. With a few evil looks on the subway. Yeah. Um, it's just, yeah. It's, I, the third film is just hilariously bad. Like, it made me laugh. There was one or two scenes last night I laughed out loud just because of how stupid it was. And, and I never laugh at films like that. Um, I just laughed because I was like, what, what is going on? You, what am I watching? Um, and you could just tell. Everyone involved in that process was burnt out, was tired, was on way too close to schedule. Because um, this was three films in five years. Uh, yeah, that's heavy. That, that's Especially, a lot. Yeah. Yeah, that is heavy. I mean, and it's not like Lord of the Rings where they went away to shoot it for like four or five years. Do you know what I mean? Like, or whatever it was. Three years plus two years in editing. You know, this film was... They wouldn't have had that kind of time, or you know, and the actors were doing different projects at that time. I know Franco was quite a busy guy at that time, and Toby McGuire was in everything for a while, wasn't he? You know, he was, I, I, he was, I tell you what, the real secret hero of the whole trilogy is Bruce Campbell. Who's Bruce Campbell? Seriously, Bruce Campbell from Evil Dead. Oh, okay, yeah, sorry. Well, because in the who was he in the first film? In the second yeah. film, he plays the usher at the theatre. The third oh, film, he plays yeah, the uh, the really hilarious French guy in the restaurant. And he's like, he calls him Peter Pecker. 
Oh, he is that guy. Oh, yeah. who, who is he in the first one? I was thinking, I know that name. I, yeah, because I know Bruce Campbell. Um, he's done so much voice work, man. He's such a busy I can't guy. remember, but he's great because he's obviously really good he's, friends he's with... The, he's the major D. And, um, yeah, as you said, the French. Uh, Snooty Usher, as you said, what is he in the first film? Ring announcer. He's the ring yes, announcer. Yes, the ring announcer. And he says, um, my name's the human spider. And he goes, you're not using that. That's terrible. And he's the one that comes up with, uh, yeah. with Spider-Man. That yes. was it. Yeah. And he's only uh, in it in total for about 15 sequence. minutes across oh, is that, all. Is it Randy Savage? Yeah, rest? Randy Savage plays yeah. um, Bonesaw. Oh, that was, yeah. See, that that feels extremely dated, but it felt like quite nostalgic. Oh, do you I, know I buzzed mean? off that yeah. something rotten when I saw yeah. it was in. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I thought that was great, actually. I think the whole um, coming of age, coming of powers kind of situation was really good in the first film. And I think, I think that's what kind of spurred that whole first film on. And then we got to the second film. And like we said, I think everything about the second film is kind of pitch perfect. Do you know what I mean? So obviously it is, is held up by Doc Ock and Melina's performance, but the train sequences in that film, isn't it? And that's a great yeah. sequence. And just everything about that film just feels really polished. It feels like they put the most work into that. It feels like that's the story that Raimi really wanted to make. That's the villain he really wanted to use. Because I read that they wanted to use Doc Ock as like a secondary villain in the first film. And they decided, no, that's not a good idea. Let's, you know, let's push him and give him this whole film. Um, and they did such a great job. And I mean, you know, playing that Spider-Man game that came out last year on the PS4 and such a good villain, you know, to fight against. And you kind of, it plays out so well and you can just feel that that performance is what's kind of inspired so much stuff that's come after. Cause he's the perfect mix of that classic Spider-Man villain, isn't it? Whereas, you know, um, evil scientist genius and just kind of something goes wrong and, and then just kind of transpires into madness. And it's just classic Raimi. But then he, co- he, he comes back from the brink at the end and yeah. he has that really, really good scene when he, right at the end, when he he overcomes the tentacles, doesn't he? He realises that the arms have been controlling him and they've been sort of turning him. And but, the arms, the arms have got a personality. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's amazingly done. They're quite like, animalistic, aren't they? Like, the yeah. way they, they look at people. And they they react to a situation in the way that a person would like, huh? Really? You can almost hear them go, huh? Or what are you yeah, they, talking like about? Like I said, they've like they've got a personality. Do you know what I mean? Like, like they are, they are so. It's so they well are alive. Used. Yeah, I know. It, it, it's just it's just that they're obviously an evolving CG kind of thing where they're just becoming. And it looks good because it would be so look easy great. to make them look really, oh, like they cheesy and and rubbery. Yeah. And I like the fact they made them look. A bit more pointy because the Doc Ock claws from the comics are quite cheesy looking. They made yeah. them look a little bit more scary. I think they were supposed to look like snakes because when he's they're always, clones, yeah, they're quite flat and angular. Yeah, you, you're right. I mean, they're like they pounce like snakes would pounce. Yeah, you know I mean they move like snakes would move. Like uh, you know, you look at the CG in that and the movement of things. It's it's really hard to produce, especially back in you know whenever it was. Um, and it's so realistic the way everything moves. And you're right, as a comic book character, he looks a bit shit, really. I, I mean, I know they've probably developed him. I don't know the Spider-Man comics all that well, but just from that kind of classic poster drawing of Doc Ock, he never looked quite that menacing. And they just made him look like such a kind of menacing, evil character. And the action sequences in that second film were just so much better. Yeah, like, they were really, really well done. Um, stunt work was really effective there's the kind of burning building situation which was really well done um and obviously the train sequence yeah i just thought all those sequences were done but as we said they were just underpinned by melina's performance because he was just amazing in that film and they don't give out awards to that kind of film performance they might do nowadays but you know he he was worthy of of a best supporting you know, at least a nomination. He's so, so good in that film. Um, and I just thought, yeah, it, it's a standout. You, whenever you think about that trilogy, what you probably most people gravitate to is, is Doc Ock, really. A lot of people will say about, you know, remember this that, and the other and the kiss and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I think that's... that's the, the, the train sequence is the one that, that stands out for me. Yeah. 
Doctor Strange sequence is amazing. Like, I think it's the kind of scene and, and, and sequence you see at the cinema and just kind of got blown away by at the time. I mean, now we're used to things like that. Do you know what I mean? We're used to things on that scale. Um, but there's a train sequence in in Batman Begins, isn't there? With um, and it's I don't think it's anywhere near as effective as the train sequence in Spider Man Two. Yeah, with, um, yeah, when he's fighting Ra's al Ghul Ra's, on the yeah, uh, yeah. the train. And it's just not as anywhere near as impactful as this. I mean, even even that I couldn't remember all that well this trilogy. I really couldn't, and I, I didn't know if if um, Kirsten Dunst kind of survived or died in the second film because um, I just couldn't remember the third film. I probably blocked it out of my memory altogether. Um, but you kind of felt like, all right, it's Kirsten Dunst, so you're kind of hoping maybe she died in the second film at the end. But you felt there was a little bit of dread and fear there, do you know what I mean, during that sequence towards the end when it's flooding and, and the kind of core reactors going off and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it must have. Uh, if they got a little bit of emotion out of her, he's done a hell of a job because the rest of the trilogy, there's just nothing. Yeah. It's, it's been really, really good revisiting them. I think, yeah. I, w- I was really surprised that they're not on um, on Disney Plus, um, and it, it, so must, Sony, it must be to do Sony with thing. the um, the distribution again. Yeah, they're all on Sky, and Spider Man's still going on to Sky, so it's it's the Sony rights. Yeah, yeah, but that and that they- that's made me sort of want to go back and do them, and then I want to watch um, at least the first X Men film. Maybe not bother with the others because they weren't. That I quite good. liked X-Men 3, and I don't know why. No, you um, didn't. Don't oh, say did things not? like no, that. Was, no, it was 3 Juggernaut. Did I like 2? I'm the Juggernaut, bitch! was Juggernaut 3, yeah. Juggernaut two, was 2 was okay. 3 was the awful one. Okay, I think I liked 2. I didn't really like the first X-Men film all that much. I, I just thought it was a lot of groundwork, a lot of setting things up, but nothing really happened. And I didn't really like Sabretooth as a villain. I didn't think he was very effective. Um... But then you've still got those great sequences with Patrick Stewart um, and obviously Gandalf. Sir Ian. Yeah. Sir Ian and Sir Patrick. Yeah. Um, but I just can't remember a lot of the other things about this film. So I might go back. Um, I, yeah, I might just go back and watch Logan instead. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I've watched some other good stuff lately. It's it's nice to get into these kind of films. I went and watched Batman 1989 recently. And I need to watch Batman Returns. Um, maybe in a few weeks we could talk about those if you yeah, want. Yeah, I should. Go, I haven't watched Batman '89 since Keaton's so good, you know. And Jack Nicholson's just incredible in that film. I can't even remember the last. I did. Yeah. I did a, a few years ago. It was. It must be at least three or four years ago. I remember me and me and my mate Ian before he moved to America. We went back and we watched. We were doing like film sequences so we did all the batman films star wars um aliens things like that so it's been a good few years since i've seen the 89 batman yeah watch that and i'll watch that i'll watch returns and we'll talk about those two maybe yeah we won't do that because it's good to look back at these films because they they are huge in terms of what they influenced and what they did um so maybe we can do that and then i don't know during these kind of um trying times we can try and do a few more podcasts if people give us a few ideas we can maybe watch some stuff um i'd like to talk about tiger king if we all enjoy it because obviously people are watching it so it's got a lot of buzz and it seems like actually well i've nearly finished it so by the by the time this episode goes out i may well have finished it yeah i think i'll try and get to it it won't take me too long uh, seven seven episodes at 45 minutes i'll get through that you'll get through it in a week Easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Easy. So, so we, we'll we'll probably do that as our next episode then in a, in a couple of weeks. Yeah, that'd be good. Um, but it's been good, man. So it's been great, as I said, going back and watching those films. Um, there's loads of stuff we have missed. Um, we're not sliding free too hard, but there's some bad, bad moments in that film. Um, but the first two were legitimately good. And a lot of films. it is more frustration, isn't it? From oh, a, yeah. a serious point, it's how do you? It's hard enough to follow a film like Spider-Man Two, but to follow it so badly and make so many decisions like having three villains all in at the same time because you've got yeah, Venom you and you've like got Sandman and then you have Harry 
Yeah, you think the third film should peak, really, but it's easy said than done. Like, The Dark Knight Rises is probably is the weakest of that trilogy, isn't it? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So in, in hindsight, is... I always used to say Batman Begins was, but Batman Begins nah. is such an underrated film. Oh, it's funny that I've, honestly, I know we had that great podcast um, that we had to re-record, but I, I really enjoyed talking about that and watching that. And then, it, it, I know The Dark Knight is amazing, but Batman Begins is is a, is probably the, one of the best origin stories. Begins is overall a better film than Dark yeah. Knight. I genuinely believe it. It's just but Dark Knight. It gets elevated because it's of just, Joker. Yeah, but, but you haven't got as such a good a villain. I, I like the twist in Batman Begins, but you know, I don't think Ra's al Ghul is one of the better villains in Batman anyway. Do you know what I mean? So you, no. you, it doesn't. You know, it's great elements. It's a he's great not the only face villain. Is he should be the no. guy that's in the background. Yeah, he's he's a he's a conniver, isn't he? He's a, yeah. he's a master planner kind of guy. But yeah, and, but in and terms the same... of the origin side of things, and it, it shows yeah. us a side of Batman that we've never seen before. Of what did he actually do yeah. in that time when he was away? Because normally it's just he left, he came back X number of years later, and then he was Batman. And it was nice that yeah. they spent like an hour of the film showing all that stuff, oh, and, and nobody's well, ever done it. Well done. Still, no, no. nobody's done it since. Because no. it's no, just accepted that that's what happened. He fucked you, off into the snow. You can't top it. It's, no, you you're not going to better it, so why bother? No. Exactly. Um, now, if you want to uh, hear a bit more about Batman, we did a podcast on uh, the kind of upcoming film, which has obviously been probably not delayed just yet because it's still way ahead of schedule. But I think the filming that was going to take place in Liverpool has been put on hold. And everything yeah. else in the world has been put on hold. So, Well, from, from think, a Sony point of view, to stay on brand, they've basically delayed everything. So, Yeah, everything will get delayed. Morbius um, and Venom yeah. 2 have been delayed. Black yeah. Widow's been delayed. Wonder Woman 84's been delayed. I mean, some of yeah. them have been pushed back to next year. And I, Wonder Woman apparently was complete last year, but they're just obviously going to push it until they can find the right spot for it. Um, quiet place too that I was really excited for it's, it's been pushed to September and that was that was due out. out like now wasn't it that was yeah, so it, they delayed now, it like yeah. a couple of weeks before it came out yeah yeah if that yeah it's just you know because no one could actually go the cinema's closed so yeah. it's weird having all these films now on, on demand at home it's such a different it's like renting things at home now like Universal dropped all their movies on demand like yeah. um, The Hunt well, so, which some is studios really good, apparently are making these decisions Man. aren't they for yeah. are we going to actually delay something for six to 12 months or is it easy to just take the hit and release it on demand so that people fairness, can see it i i don't mind you know I, I think some of these rentals are like 10 12 up to 15 quid but in the day if you go to cinema with a family of four you're paying 30 40 quid do yeah. you know what i mean so you know if the kids are gonna beg me to watch some trolls whatever it is then i'll probably do it because you know you've got to support studios where you can a little bit and i know obviously everyone streams this and the other but you know, on occasion, it's it's you know we all want to keep cinema alive and, and well because it's what we we kind of want to get back to. So, you know, um, support things where you can and, and do what we can. So I know studios have a lot of money, but everyone's falling on hard times. It's a tricky situation that we're in. So um, kind of support whoever you want to support and keep doing it. So um, and that includes us if you want to listen to us and. and and rate us and which presumably if you're listening to this now you probably do want to listen to us otherwise you must be really yeah. bored yes on your lockdown um, yes but it's been great fun um it's been good talking about this and um, we'll hopefully be back within a couple of weeks and then we'll keep them more regularly coming um during these kind of trying times and hopefully beyond yeah thanks for tuning in we'll catch you next time